like half the highway to Florida, Georgia, and whatever the hell else you're talking about. <laughs> South Carolina. South Carolina. Hi, this is Rachel. Hey, this is Spencer. And this is Neon Boots, the 90s country music podcast. <laughs> Today, we have with us Chessa Rich, who is a singer-songwriter in Durham, and she plays with a lot of other folks we know, like Skylar Gudaz and with Hard Tuck, also, mm-hmm. who we talked about before as one of our inspirations for this podcast. So. Wow. You're yeah. an honor. Yeah. yeah. Well... Look at what has come from that. Oh, man. This weird-ass podcast. Who would have thought? Yeah. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, Thanks, thanks. Hard Tuck. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Hard Tuck. Yeah. Thanks for being here with us today. Oh, yeah. Sure. Thanks for having me. This is my first podcast that I've ever been on in my whole life. Wow. Our podcast is the first podcast I was on also. And only podcast I've been on. Yeah, same here. Great. You know. But I actually listen to podcasts. Spencer does not. No. I don't really either. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. You don't have to listen to this either. Oh, well, I sometimes do. I listen yeah. to some of them, yeah. So you've listened okay. to all of our episodes? <laughs> every single one? <laughs> Big every fan over here. Big fan. <laughs> well, ask the same question that we always ask everybody. Can you kind of give us your life story about 90s country music and how it kind of fits in? I would love to. <laughs> so when Spencer originally wrote me, he's like, oh, yeah, we like had this podcast. We'd love to have you on. Like, there's some hard tug people that have been on it. And I promptly told him, like, here's the thing. I, like, don't really know anything about country music in the oh, sense okay. of, like, yeah. I, well, my mom listened to the Eagles a lot. That was, like, the CD that was in the car as I was being driven to and from elementary school. Did she have that compilation of Eagles songs sung by country artists from, like, the mid-90s? Oh, no, but that sounds really great. No, she was just, like, straight up unfiltered. Okay. My mom had that, and I went back and listened to it kind of recently, and it's... It's one of those things is like, all right, it was in memories. It was better than in reality, yeah. but uh, yeah. probably worth going back and listen to just for the fact it exists. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. Sorry. Anyway. I don't know. Yeah. So it wasn't like a part of my music memories from like when I had actual human memories, but my, <laughs> <laughs> my alien, it's definitely like deep in my alien memories, but mm-hmm. like not my human memories, <laughs> but my, both sides of my family are like from Eastern North Carolina and my mom's side specifically we're like Baptist musician type people. Like my grandfather always played guitar and is a really great singer. And we have a bunch of family members on that side who like sang a lot of like Baptist gospel hymns type Mm -hmm. stuff. And there's like definitely, you know, overlaps there and Mm -hmm. definitely that side of my family. There's a lot of like country music fans, but it was never a part of my vocabulary until like, I think that I can really remember like hearing achy breaky heart maybe for the first time. Oh yeah. Like at the roller skating rink. Yes. I think that's cause like my only exposure to music as many people's were in my generation was like through the radio mm-hmm. and my parents listened to two radio stations. And so that's, and I loved music. So I was just like, give me that. And, you know, the little nice. CDs that we had at home. So when I would go to places like the roller rink mm-hmm. or there's this, teen club in my town <laughs> called that aways oh yeah where was this uh this is in burlington okay. north carolina I, it might still be there but 
That's when I was oh. Spencer and I both. Yeah, we immediately go to Google it. <laughs> yeah, I would love bro. to know if that always is still there. But those are the kind of places where I was like, oh, this is the song that I hear people singing at school and I've never heard before. You know, you hear people sing like little tidbits uh-huh. of like, don't break my heart. My... And I had never heard that song. I just heard Other third graders singing sing it over <laughs> and over in not the right way. So that, yeah, that was... So I Googled that aways, and I don't know, whenever you said that it was a club, I was thinking, like, a dance club. I mean... It, but no, this is, like, a city... This well, is a city parks and rec yeah, club. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay but... We, we weren't thought we were going to the club. Um, Thursday nights, and I think we need to do this, 7 to 10 every Thursday, country line and couples dancing classes, $4 a person, 7 to 10 p.m. There you go. That's like an wow. hour away road trip. You guys no, should Burlington do like a live less than an hour. Burlington's on, well, Oh, yeah, we're in Durham. Durham. Yeah. 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 So we can go to maybe there's a day baseball game and we can chase it with some country line dancing. Yeah. Wow. I like it. At that aways. <laughs> At that aways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they would have like little dances or like people would have their birthday party there. And so I remember that. Oh, man, this sounds oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like most it. recently, Hard Tuck has been my entree into country music. And Joseph Terrell, I will have to give some props to him as he's my like number one country music influence at this mm-hmm. moment <laughs> in my life. And I remember when... So do y'all know how Hard Tuck was formed? Yeah, Alex told so us Alex told that. us about okay. his mom's birthday okay. and all of that all stuff. That. Yeah, Casey yeah. Musgraves. Right. So we were like at this rehearsal and people were throwing out like other Casey Musgrave songs we could do and I told Kate Rudy I was like I don't know any of these songs I never had heard of Casey Musgraves until this band and she goes Jessa why are you here (laughs) she literally said that to me and I was like that's a great question (laughs) still a question I have about Hard Tuck but it's but yes I'm learning how did you get involved in Hard Tuck then Great question. I play, like many other musicians who have been on this podcast, play at a church called The Gathering Church Mm -hmm. that Jeff Crawford used to be the music Mm -hmm. director of. And Alex used to play. And so I met Alex through that. Gotcha. And I played keys there. Mm -hmm. And so he like wrote me and he was like, hey, you want to be in this band? And I was like... I was actually going to say no. <laughs> I was like, uh, no, I'm not going to learn like 15 country songs yeah. and like drive. I was like, no. And then I was like, no, you should probably do that. Yeah. I'm really glad I did. I will say The Gathering Church has my favorite Christmas album. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's I amazing. I love that Christmas album. Josh Moore sings Oh Holy Night and Skylar Gutierrez is also on that track. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me like cry. And I'm not like a it's overtly beautiful. religious person, but it's really beautiful. It's, it's a great CD and yeah. and it's actually on Spotify. So yeah. I really like listening to that's my go to Christmas album. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah. I haven't listened to that as much as the hymns one that came out mm-hmm. that has Phil Cook and mm-hmm. I think Mandolin Orange. If I remember right, Probably. does a 50 Miles Elbow Room with yeah. Josh Moore, mm-hmm. and that's super good. Um, 50 Miles of Elbow Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on that. That's on Bandcamp. I assume it's on everything else. Yeah, yeah Gavin Dude, Mandel Orange, that's another big, that's a big country music thing, is I like sold merch for them mm-hmm. for like two months, and they only listen to bluegrass. <laughs> it's crazy. Not as people, but like in the van, like they listen to uh-huh. a lot of things. But like, that was the most bluegrass I've ever heard in my whole whole life and i know that's I would, a different thing than country but you know it's like yeah, i would not yeah. have a good time with that <laughs> i'm not a bluegrass fan really it, yeah I, I, I could feel that yeah i i am now actually it's sort yeah. of like i mean i'm not like a, a hardcore like let me get mm-hmm. more but it's really cool and beautiful and i really learned a lot from them i think since abby may has been raleigh i've listened to a lot more bluegrass 
and started to figure out a lot more like what I like and what I don't like. And there's a lot of really generic, boring, straight ahead bluegrass. Mm -hmm. It's like, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like fine in the background, but you don't, I don't want to necessarily stand there and like watch it. Right. But then if someone has a great voice or like just a really good instrumentalist or if they're doing something kind of like pushing the boundaries of bluegrass a little bit. I'm not saying that I would never listen to bluegrass. I'm not saying that I don't ever listen to bluegrass, but... In my hierarchy of favorite genres. Yeah. Feel ya. Yeah, it's kinda low on low on the scale. Yeah. Yeah. So this will always just stay a country podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, Never yeah. bluegrass. We'll have to go to the California Bluegrass Association suite in Raleigh when Abby May comes up this year and you can learn. Well, is that the one where they have free beer? Yes, I was well, good at that. Well, then I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> they bring in a new band every half hour. No microphones or anything. You can just sit in the back and nibble on some pepper jack and some salami and get some Sierra Nevadas. And, yeah. Dang. You know, by that point, Baby Hooch will be out and you'll be able to drink again. So Baby Hooch can come on to Bluegrass okay. Festival. Oh, oh, yeah. our, our friend Regina got him some of the little ear protector thing. So. Oh, yeah. Foot right yeah. in. Yeah. It was definitely the loudest of genres is Bluegrass. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If you get two manuals in a room. That's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, protect those ears. <laughs> But yeah, thanks for being on here on really short notice. Speaking of Baby Uh, Hooch, since we're trying to stack up some episodes, apparently this baby thing still hasn't happened. I mean, he's still technically got like five weeks to cook. Yeah, that's slacker. At this point in time. That's a long time. Yeah. I mean, that's a month. And I mean, his his nursery isn't even all the way set up yet. I just bought some diapers today, so... Oh, you're you're pre- that's incredible. You're so prepared. Yeah, oh that's that seems really what else do you need? <laughs> I just need diapers. Done. Ready Done. for the baby. Ready for the baby. I'm gonna be a great mom. Yeah, you are. So great. So do we wanna dive into our songs? Sure. Okay, Spencer, you're kicking it off. All right, so Ooh, which we had a transition earlier and we missed it. Go ahead. Oh. We'll just pretend. Well, when Chessa was talking about your mom listening to the Eagles a lot, it oh, made yeah. me think of oh, yeah. of your song, Spencer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, speaking of five mm-hmm. minutes ago, <laughs> a song that mentions the Eagles, I picked Joe Diffie's Bigger Than the Beatles, my favorite Joe Diffie song. I know that might be a controversial pick, but I love it a lot. It's a great song to sing along to. It's pretty lighthearted and silly. Rachel, uh, yesterday we were recording some episodes that aren't out yet, and she was making fun of me for picking uh, downer songs. This is not a downer song. This is not a downer. The other one that we were supposed to record today, too, is not a downer song either, so whatever. But this is not a downer song. Great work. Um, Yeah, thank you. Way to keep it balanced, Spencer. (laughs) Just doing what I can. (laughs) Um, I don't really have a ton of insight on this. It's just a really fun song, I think. It is one of those many songs that mentions the Beatles, the Eagles, and the Rolling Rolling Stones, Stones, which I think is like the standard. And And Elvis, too. Yeah. I think for whatever reason, those three end up together a lot. Hmm. Especially in country music. In country music. I feel like, have we talked about, did we talk about this with BJ? We might have. But but I think you cropped that out. I think that that was a tangent, like the Space Jam tangent (laughs) that hit the editing floor. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All of those are available for just $20 if you call in now. (laughs) Yeah. All of our B-sides. Offer lasts for one more. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and I was trying to think on the way over here, like what other songs other than American Aquarium's Lonely Ain't Easy. I know there are several, but I think those are like the country reference points to rock, which I guess makes sense because well, they're I think that that's big just like ones everybody's reference. Yeah, they're easy yeah. to rhyme. Um, yeah. The Eagles makes a lot of sense because there's 
folk-ish a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the Eagles definitely aren't. Like, would y'all put them in country realm? Not I really wouldn't, right. but no. I think it's like... I think that there are enough similarities where it wouldn't be surprising to hear, like, a country musician covering the Eagles yeah. or the Eagles covering country songs. Yeah. I mean, and, I think it helps there's, like, a lot of acoustic guitars going on. It's not right. really, like... Real, like, thick yeah, yeah. four-part harmony yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, some of the Stone stuff, like Country Honk and Dead Flowers, um, you know, some of those songs are pretty country-fied. So, yeah. Country-fied. Um, there's a lot of, like, strangely honky-tonk piano playing happening in the Stone stuff, too, yeah, which yeah. I'm always mm-hmm. really surprised at. I'm always like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like... I don't even, I can't remember who the piano player was. So we've talked about Dwight Yoakam on a couple of episodes. And, like, I think that the Dwight Yoakam country sound is, like, probably the closest that would get you over to the Eagles or somebody like that. Yeah. I mean, there's that Eagles compilation I'm trying to, uh, I think it's called Common Thread. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I pulled it up. Yeah. Uh, Travis Tritt, Little Texas, Clint Black, John Anderson, Alan Jackson, Vince Gill, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, Trisha Yearwood. Tanya Tucker, Brooks and Dunn, and Lori Morgan mm. all are big names that cover Eagle songs for that record. Yeah, and all of these two, like Desperado, obviously. Mm-hmm. Lion Eyes, that's such a country song, I think. Ain't no way to hide your lion eyes. Especially when you sing it like that. (laughs) I can make anything sound country. I can make anything sound country. (laughs) (laughs) But but I really think, like, well, I'll save that until we talk about the next song. About, like, delivery for me. I'm I'm just gonna only say once that I'm like not knowledgeable in this field, so Neither I have to keep we. saying it. Okay, great. Um, but I think like <laughs> no, that's delivery. Understood. Okay, great, awesome, great. <laughs> I I think delivery of like you know phrasing and like the way mm-hmm. people sing something really affects people's perception of the genre. Yeah, I think, you know. Yeah, I think. Well, I think so too. And again, we, as Spencer mentioned, we've recorded a lot of episodes this weekend in preparation for Baby Hooch. So I don't know what order everything is going to come out in, but we were having a conversation about how even if somebody does a song that doesn't sound very country, if they have country roots. So we were talking about why Nona Judd. Yeah, no in one a else on potentially Earth. future episode. <laughs> um, and about how no one else on Earth doesn't really sound very country, mm-hmm. but because it's Winona, and Winona is a country singer, mm-hmm. it's characterized as country. Right. So I think that it's the same kind of idea. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do love Joe Diffie's delivery in this song, because it's so ridiculous. Like when he sings about... I'm not going to try to imitate because it it's not going to do nearly the justice, but running, uh, running his fingers through that jet black hair. And he kind of, I don't know if he's trying to do it kind of like Elvis because she thinks he looks like Elvis. I like to imagine that, but it sounds ridiculous either way. And I love it. I, I love songs from 90s country that like you sing along to the exact same way they sing it. That like oh, weird yeah. delivery. Yeah. Uh, which is funny because one of the songs, the, the two guys that cover this, Jeb Stuart Anderson, which is a great country songwriter name. Whenever oh, yeah. I saw that, I was just thinking that I should add Jeb to the baby list name. Oh, yeah. Because his last name will be Anderson, and we're looking for a one-syllable name. How many syllables is in Hooch? Well, yeah, we could still do Hooch. 
Sorry. Pooch Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Pooch Anderson. <laughs> so he and Steve Dukes, they are two of the three that co-wrote I Like It, I Love It, which I think oh. Tim McGraw does like some ridiculous delivery stuff in that too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like a, a doubt that was like in the demo. Maybe it was. But I really like that about both of these songs. This would have been a good transition point. Jeb wrote a Balsam Range song, Voodoo Doll, their North Carolina bluegrass band ah. that's won mm-hmm. some Abbey May Awards. And Steve wrote a Shandoah song. I don't know this one. It's hard to live up to the rock. But I don't really know a ton of other stuff. I couldn't really find a lot of other stuff that they wrote. Mm-mm. But, I mean, this one, I like it, I love it, are two pretty big ones. This was Joe Diffie's last number one for now. He's got another <laughs> album coming out this year. All so, right, right. you know, believe in the mullet to bring back some listeners. Is he still rocking the mullet? It's cut. I think it's just like the mustache has survived. The mustache. It's a little bit of a shag in some of the recent pictures. Yeah. It still is a little bit longer in the back, but not quite. Okay. Full mullet. Yeah. Updated. Since yeah. this Mod- will be modern out. mullet. Mod- modern mullet. <laughs> a mullet for the modern man by Joe yeah. Diffie. <laughs> so this is, will definitely come out beforehand. He's playing in North Carolina. Just a reminder on May 17th, 18th. We've got to figure out what I'm going to what do. What you're going to do. Yeah. Because mm. Rachel was apparently too good to leave Durham County for. Well, my OB told me that yeah. I really shouldn't travel that far. Yeah. Rule uh, follower over here, <laughs> as you guys know, no songs outside the 90s. Listen to to my OB whatever <laughs> um, uh, speaking of listening should we listen to the song oh yeah absolutely but she thinks that he looks like Elvis when he runs his fingers through that jet black of hair and sometimes she forgets an order cause she's so struck by him that she stops and stares they got a love bigger than the Beatles wild and free like a rock I want to talk about these like little metaphors in this chorus, like big, oh, yeah. like so. When when you sent the song of it's called Bigger Than the Beatles, I was like, oh, more famous than the Beatles, because right, that's right. what that. But in the chorus, it's not saying anything is more famous. It's talking about bigger in like size, right? Yeah. Which is so like. They're not airtight. You know, there's like, it's just like, we're going to like throw some words in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, it just emphasizes the lightheartedness. It of the doesn't really make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. But I, that, that specific <laughs> one, I looked at the timeline because I was always kind of unsure about this. And I was, am a big Oasis fan. I don't know if you, oh either God. of y'all care yes. about them. So, you know, Noel Gallagher's like thing in the 90s was like when he said they were bigger than the Beatles yes. and everyone flipped out. And that happened two months, or it came out, that interview came out, like, two months after the song came out. Uh, so, like, imagine that Oasis was, like, they were really big Diffie fans, and they heard this, like, oh, absolutely. you know how to get people riled up. We are bigger than the Beatles. And they were just, and that maybe self that whole, like, Britpop rivalry with Blur, you know, because maybe they were also big Diffie fans, and they wanted to claim they were bigger than the Beatles, but Oasis beat them to the punch. Mm. That's my theory. But then they least. all felt stupid when they listened to the song and realized that it wasn't about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just employ the metaphor in a different right. way. Totally. In the Wikipedia article about this song, they reference the link of Bigger Than the Beatles back to John Lennon's comment about the Beatles being bigger than Jesus. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I don't know if that is intentional of, I mean, is this like a 
okay, if Joe Diffie's love is bigger than the Beatles, does that mean that Joe Diffie's love is bigger than Jesus himself? Um, he would not be accepted in country music <laughs> if he not. said yeah. anything close to that. Um, yeah, that, that wouldn't have flown too well. Yeah, there's a reason he didn't tell this bigger than Jesus. I mean, there's probably, there's yeah. probably many reasons why, but <laughs> my love is bigger than it's bigger than Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, I like that's, it. That's not he's that's going to make him an outlaw country artist real quick. Well, we don't know how tall Jesus was. We don't. <laughs> we don't. So we don't know. I like to ask these questions to put Spencer on the spot because he is never good at them. If Joe Diffie was recording this song today. Oh, jeez. What three bands would be the Beatles, mm. the Eagles, and the Rolling Stones? Of, like, rock music? I mean, he's referencing rock music, but, like, if you were to, to write a love song about your love <laughs> being bigger than something, what would your love be bigger well, than? I think part of it has to do, like, the bigger than the Beatles is easy, but, like, soaring higher than the Eagles, like, that has to do with the bands. So you got to think about, like, how you're employing the like you can't, like you can't be like blacker Spencer. than the my love is blacker than the black keys like that doesn't really you're overthinking this i just well, want welcome you to, to my tell life me, yeah <laughs> i just want you to tell me three bands that you think are at the level of the beatles the eagles and the rolling stones um to the point but, that they would be cited as much in song lyrics as those three bands are in 90s country music mm, i know it was. you know one i think it one okay if you well, want, Beyonce. I, I think I Beyonce, Beyonce was only our first one. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Beyonce. I don't know. I mean, we were talking on a, a previously a previously recorded future aired episode about Taylor, Taylor Swift's Swift. like fans, and yeah. that's definitely. Although I think there's kind of like a love hate thing some people have with Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. but that but you, would you be. You can't deny that she's big as shit. Yeah, I mean, if I were to. Flesh out those three. I would probably put Casey Musgraves in there. She's not as big as either of those two, but, <laughs> but she's I feel like, like it in fits. Country music world. I feel like it fits with them in that kind of profile. Okay. I don't know. Like it's not like they were like, you know, the Eagles, the Stones, and Def Leppard. You know, it's kind of like it has to be somewhat similar. Sure. Like our love is faster than Def Leppard. I don't know if that makes any sense. It really doesn't. Mm. But just well, trying to get them. Are pretty fast. Yeah. Well, you could say faster than Taylor Swift. Oh! <laughs> also, a fast love. I don't really know if that's um, a good thing. But uh, I would like to go on record saying I've seen Def Leppard play outside of Walmart in Fayetteville, North Carolina for oh. a grand opening, which is. A grand opening of the Walmart? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Which, if you will see Def Leppard, that's where you want to see them. That's where you want to see them. Oh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. I have pictures somewhere, like a digital camera from you know 2000. Four or whatever, who knows where those are? But I'm so sorry, Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> they, wow. uh, one, the guitarist, I believe, was wearing a "May I Help You" vest when he was playing, like the Walmart one with a smiley face in the yeah. back. There was security on the roof of the Walmart. It was a thing. It was great. That was in Fayetteville. Yes, Fayetteville didn't get a Walmart until 2004. It was like a specific. It wasn't oh. their first Walmart. Oh, okay. It was this specific Walmart's first opening. Still I think, a very big deal. Yeah, yeah. I and, guess. Yeah, I don't remember if it was 2004, but it was somewhere mid 2000s. They had I, just come out with an album. So. Oh, okay, I was. I would think that having Def Leppard there would be would mean that it was like a really big deal. Oh, it was uh, a big deal. There were like campers there. People like had staked out their spots. Dude, I need to get on the Walmart or like department <laughs> yeah. store opening tour wow. circuit. That's that's yeah, that's how you do I it. I could see you I could see you being on like the Coles tour. Hey, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'd do that. <laughs> 
Coles, if you're listening. <laughs> We're always looking for sponsorships. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Ask away. So Sarah from Chatham Rabbits, she apparently one of her first gigs was playing outside of Walgreens. And so that was like her big exposure is like a middle schooler, teenager, I think. I don't know. Playing she told me this story. Walgreens? Playing outside a specific Walgreens. I can't remember the small town, North Carolina mm-hmm. location. We've also talked about and tweeted about our love and admiration and just being in awe of Mason Ramsey. So oh, yeah. this all kind of ties go back in to together. Yeah. He's playing in Greensboro and in Charlotte coming up. I know. Well, I coming up that. like later this year. But, yeah. you know. Hard Tuck performed in a women's upscale boutique one time in the shoe section. Fancy. Yeah. Was that Our the first, show? first time y'all played for Alexis Yeah. Mall? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Any other but, comments about our man Joe, our no, main man I just, Joe? I just like this one a lot. Like, I like that little thing he does. I'm not sure which part will include the little thing he does at the end of the bridge. Oh, wow. Rude. The, um, sorry. Yeah, that. And I can see why it did well on country radio. It's like a small town trying mm-hmm. to make it. They are in love with each other. and yeah, it's you know, sweet. Yeah, well, and we talked order. about how at the very end it has some of the na na nas sound very Beatles esque with the harmonies. Totally, and stuff. totally. Yeah. I'm assuming that's intentional. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And in the video, they and have yeah them. Beatles impersonators. Yeah, yeah. the video is pretty great. He's but got you think his... those were impersonators? <laughs> I don't know. They didn't look that much like that. <laughs> they They're pretty shitty. They smell their money on that guitar that Joe Diffie was playing. That without a hole. In that, it. Yeah, it looks like an acoustic guitar with no hole, but probably electric guitar. Either way, doesn't look good. So, but sure, it is. It's a good like you know. It appeals to like the blue collar like mm-hmm. love thing of you know like he's playing on a Holiday Inn and she's serving drinks and like they're never gonna make it or whatever. But they have their love. They have their love. It's really nice. And I like it's the beautiful. first two verses kind of that like echoed the last two lines of the first verse. Sometimes she forgets an order because she's so struck by him that she stops and stares. And the second verse. Sometimes he forgets the chorus because she sounded like a beauty on the silver screen. Like, in terms of thought out country songs of the 90s, it's really well written for what it is. Like, for being a lighthearted love song, it's like, all right, at least I thought about this and like constructed it in a way that it's, I don't know, I like it. Yeah. As I've said 18 times by now. Okay, so our next song was Chess's Pick, which uh, we were able to use a loophole. Rachel ah. shot it down. <laughs> and of course, I, I mean, hate your damn loophole. Yes, they're the best. <laughs> so, Chessa, would you, would you like to yeah. play your song? Yeah, so this, the song I selected was I Will Always Love You, which was made popular by Whitney Houston, not in the 90s. However, wait, hers was in the 90s. Yeah. Oh, yeah, hers is in the 90s. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. But that's not a country version. Right. That's not a country music. Yes. <laughs> um, but Dolly Parton wrote it, which I didn't realize until I was talking to my mom this week about this podcast. And I was like, I don't know. She was like, oh, you should do something by Dolly. You love, you've always loved Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Is what she said. I was you like, you have always loved her. Yeah. I was like, what? And she was like, oh, yeah, you've like all, all throughout your whole life heard Dolly Parton and Oprah Winfrey. You just have like had a thing for them. <laughs> I mean, I they're like, the two greatest women. Like, I know. Face of the earth. I know. I was like, I was kind of a little bit impressed with my younger self. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then she mentioned that, and I was like, oh man. And so she wrote it not in the 90s, right? But Vince Gill did a duet version with Dolly in 1994. Five. Five. I think. Okay. Can be confirmed. <laughs> Wikipedia. Easily. Yeah. It said. Yes. So it was for Dolly's 33rd. 
33 fucking albums. Yeah, that's usually oh when people God. hit the slop is 33. But you this know? is in yeah. 1995, her 33rd solo album. That's absurd. <laughs> she re-recorded I Will Always Love You with Vince Gill as a duet. Incredible. So 33 out in I 1995. And I should know off the top of my head how many total albums she has. Well, and I'm sure there's ones, you know, like Dolly and Porter. Like, you know, who she right. wrote this song about. Like, if they're not counting those, I'm assuming that 33. She's got to be pretty close to, like, 50 albums. Dang. I would think. So, I didn't know that she wrote this either, even though I know she wrote a lot of her stuff. And then I saw a clip from some radio show interview where she said she wrote this and Jolene the same day. Mm-hmm. What? Back to back, yeah. Which... It's just fucking insane. Oh. Like, can you imagine like having that day where you write those two songs? Like, oh, I guess I have to write more songs at some other point in my life. Or not. Like, or yeah, not. that's what I'm saying. Like, you were just like, <laughs> yeah. how does she write songs after that? I was like, okay, I wrote those two. Just going to hang it up and just coast well, and the rest of I mean, I, I think people, most people would agree that those two songs are probably like two of her greatest. But there are still so many wonderful songs that she wrote totally. after that point. Mm-hmm. She's just so amazing. Well, yeah, I just, yes. I, yeah. I, yes. I, <laughs> yes. I agree. Yes. It's just like imagining, yeah. I mean, I'm not a songwriter, so I don't know, but I can't imagine, like, you write those songs the same day. I feel like every other time you sit down and write a song, it's like, well, it's good, but is it Jolene? I'll always love you good. I mean, but yeah. 9 to 5 also, is awesome. Like, and, you know, there's plenty of other awesome Dolly songs, but, but it's just like... I wonder like, if she knew whenever she wrote those two songs... I mean, because even though she did well, her versions of I Will Always Love You, she wrote and recorded it in 1973, and then she re-recorded it in 1982 for Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. So it actually hit number one in 74 and 82, which had only previously been done by Chubby Checker. Thanks, Wikipedia. Oh, the Wikipedia article I read said she was the first one, so someone must have just edited it. I think that somebody messed up the edits, because this says that Chubby Checker did it in 1960, and then again in 1962. What Chubby Checker song? The Twist. That makes Uh, sense. One of my favorite, again, in the same Wikipedia, (laughs) because that's where we get all of our information from. Um, And I, I had heard this story before about her talking about... Elvis wanting to record it? Yeah. Oh, damn it. That was our transition. Oh, shit. To what? To my... From, oh, no, from oh, Joe Diffie from to Elvis. From Joe Diffie to Elvis. Uh, God, shit. we're the worst. God almighty. We need, we need to write better <laughs> scripts for this show. <laughs> or maybe just write scripts, period. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a lot of effort. Yeah. But so Elvis's people came to her to record it. But they wanted her to sell all the rights, and she was like, uh, well, well, no. half half the rights, right? Or, so like, whenever yeah. Elvis, apparently it was like a, the standard deal when Elvis would record a song, they would sign over half the rights to Elvis, mm-hmm. half the publishing rights, which she didn't do because she's a genius lady. Yes, yep. she's yeah. a genius lady. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like it's crazy to me that essentially, I mean, the Whitney Houston version is a cover you know like i i really thought like oh dolly wrote this song like in the way that nashville songwriters like ghostwriter type people do it and then she like sends it but no it was like she had recorded it multiple times but nobody knows that nobody knows that and the way that whitney does it is does not sound like a country song Mm -mm. at all Mm -mm. 
It's crazy. And, and then I, it makes me, what like, what is country? What is You know, country? that's what, like, gets all those questions going. Yeah. yeah. Well, even, like, Dolly's version, I don't know that there's really anything, I don't know, that sets it apart. Because it's really just her voice. In terms of, like, it being a country song? Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest difference... It's not like there's a fucking banjo in the background or anything. No, I think there's a steel at one point yeah. at the end or something. And I think if you put steel on anything, it's like, well, now it's That's country. country. <laughs> yeah. But I think even just the difference in, and we talked about this before, her phrasing and Whitney's phrasing just on the choruses, mm-hmm. you know any way that she sings it's going to sound country because it's Dolly but even even just when Vince Gill does it too it's just so much straighter like they're really just like hitting on the downbeats and Whitney does this like you know it's like really like triple D kind of you know and their their delivery just sounds so much more country to me and the harmonies too there's not really a ton of harmonies on Whitney's version or really at all yeah and the the harmonies in the chorus of the Vince and Dolly one are very beautiful, I think. And it I really I never had listened to the Vince Gill version until Spencer came up with this loophole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I think it makes the harmonies are nice. I think it makes for a good duet song. It does totally. Yeah, yeah. which is weird to think about because the biggest versions of it are not. Yeah, right. But yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to what we were saying before about she was in the country world, recorded the song, and so it was peg country. Mm-hmm. Whether it would, you know, if this was like her first song ever released, I don't think that necessarily would have been. But you didn't finish the story about the Elvis. Oh yeah, her quote so about, her quote, of course, like the one thing that I love about Dolly is just all of her. She's such a quotable person, mm-hmm. and she says that from the money that she earned from Whitney Houston recording, that she made enough money to buy Graceland. <laughs> so it's like, hey, hey, Elvis. That's incredible. So I don't know how this came up in my Twitter, but somebody retweeted the old interview, but it was Ray Charles talking about Elvis, about yeah. how how Elvis was very unimpressive. I could actually, see that. Actually, as a musician. <laughs> I could see that. And it makes me, with this, I'm like, I'm glad that Elvis didn't record it because, I mean, comparatively, I don't think that Elvis is it that great. Well, Elvis it can't hold a note. so fucking cheesy, yeah, too. Yeah, it would have been awful. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he, like, the whole, the crux of the chorus of that song is this, like, very long extended held note, and I don't think Elvis has ever done that. Right. Just, like, not a thing that he does. Yeah. So it would be, it would be like, and I... Just instruments, 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 and <laughs> we'll always love you. Instruments. And, you know, yeah. it's just like, it'd be totally different. Well, I wonder if he even would have, like, picked up the beat a little bit and made it a little bit more upbeat, faster. Yeah, that uh, sounds gross. It does sound gross. Ugh. Was, Elvis, you're gross. I was taking this and whole fine. time to try to remember Jody Messina's Heads Carolina Tells California. That was the one that we were talking about before where... Garth wanted to cover that, and she said no. Yeah. Remember, I was trying to think of, like, what this, what that story reminded me of when someone's like, oh, this person who's way bigger than you at the time mm-hmm. wants to cover it, and you're like, mm, no, I'm going to keep that song. I love, love that, that it's also two women that are like, fuck you, men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is my song. Mm-hmm. And Whitney that. just, oh my God, she just crushes it. Like, Well, and this, yeah. so another thing that, that I think one. is interesting with this song, so it hit number one twice with Dolly, mm-hmm. and it hit, I don't know if it went to number one or if it just ended up on the charts again, but it was on Billboard charts twice 
for Whitney's version as well, whenever it first came out, and then whenever she passed away, it recharted again. So it's like, this song has charted at least four times. Across decades. <laughs> Across yeah. decades. Multiple decades. It's had quite a life. And obviously a ton of people have covered it. Leanne yeah. Rams covered it. Yeah. Uh, which was another nice loophole. And then... Oh. Rachel brought up the Kenny Rogers. The, for QVC. The, the QVC. The for QVC. Oh, yeah. I didn't even listen to that one. Yeah, you're, that was wow. wise. It was definitely like a, <laughs> Kenny needed some money in 96. The album was called Vote for Love. And it looks like someone who just learned that you could like make graphics on a computer made that cover art. Yeah. And it also <laughs> it sounds really like good. someone who thought you could only record a song once record that song. I was like, well, that's it. Well, but the, in the entire... So, it was made just for QVC. Then they reissued it later. They reissued like it a, later under the name Always and Forever. But it's all covers. So, it's all uh, songs. Have I Told You Lately That I Love You, Unforgettable, uh, I Only Have Eyes For You. Wow, sappy ones. Yeah. Well, do you want to listen to the Dolly version well, of, the, or the Dolly and Vince we'll, Gill? We'll listen to Dolly and Vince. We're not going to listen to Kenny. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Because we both know I'm not what you need. surprised that this is our first Vince Gill song that has popped up. Yeah, he's kind of like a staple, yeah, right? He's a it's a name staple. that I associate mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, and I remember, I know Spencer complains about this a lot because <laughs> he didn't have CMT growing up, but I Deprived. remember I remember getting Vince Gill and Garth Brooks confused sometimes based on the way they looked. Because they mm. both kind of have that dark hair dad face. Yeah, white guy dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway... I guess there's not, like, a whole lot of, like, memorable Vince Gill songs from the 90s for me when I try to think about it. And then he had, like, when he dabbled in bluegrass for a while, too, so he hasn't stayed strictly in country, Mm -hmm. which is fine. So Um, why do we think he was chosen for this duet? I think of 90s country, like, male country musicians that his, like, voice and style is most suitable to this song. Mm, Because he definitely has kind of the... Like, I was just pulling up the list of the songs that we have as potential future songs. And, like, the one song of his from the 90s is the Don't Let Our Love Start Slipping. Mm -hmm. And that definitely has kind of the adult contemporary type of sound and the smoothness of his voice that I think goes well with this song and with Dolly's voice. I think he wasn't as twangy either as some of mm-hmm. the other male vocalists at the time. I don't know why. I mean, can you imagine her doing did. this with, like, Travis Tritt? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> don't know who it is, but no. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> wow, you're like, we're not going to call you out for your life. And you're like, what? What? Wow. Who is Travis Tritt? Yeah. Oh, okay. I feel like I've heard that name, probably. Yeah. If probably. He, if, yeah, if, what are some of his... <laughs> 
Um, the ones that we have here Travis is... Travis Tritt, here's a quarter. Here's a quarter, call so. someone who cares. We'll send yeah. you a list. Great. I yeah. mean, I'm surprised, you know, since you said that you listen to our podcast so often. <laughs> I, I have listened to an episode. I have listened to an episode. I'm just I truly, you a hard time. I truly have. We and don't expect great. that anybody ever listens to this podcast. Yeah, it's always ever. a surprise that anyone does. Other than my mom. Oh, um, hey, mom. Hey, mom. Hey, moms. <laughs> Yeah, so I was talking before we start recording. I listened to four versions of this on the way to Durham. Mm -hmm. The original Dolly, the re-recorded Dolly, this duet version, and Whitney's version. Which one's the best? I like the duet version. I don't know if it's the best or my favorite. I mean, I guess maybe it's my favorite. I don't know. It was weird listening to all four back-to-back and trying to determine that. But it, I think it lends itself to duet performance Mm -hmm. and like her more... I don't know what age she was in the 70s when she recorded this, but like, I think she has like a more mature delivery sound to it. I don't know. Like, it's just it, like her vocals on the duet version sound really good to me. Um, not that it doesn't yeah. on the others, but. It is nice as a duet. I had, mm-hmm. I had not heard it as a duet. It's like, it's kind of, it highlights that. Because, you know, the song is played so often at weddings and then you act, you know, it's like, this is not a wedding song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it like, it's even more obvious when it's a duet that it's yeah. not yeah. a wedding song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But back to what I was trying to say, like about Whitney's version in the 90s when that was popular and I was a shithead middle schooler and later high schooler, I was very much like, uh, I don't like female vocalists because of stuff like the Whitney version where I felt like it was a really over-the-top delivery of it. Like Mariah. Yeah, like that was what, other than, you know, I think I was kind of conditioned to growing up on country, like Reba and that sort of thing, Shania, where it's not as over-the-top with delivery, I don't think, as like Whitney's version or Mariah's stuff. But then I was listening to this right before I then listened to Joe Diffie's Bigger Than the Beatles again, where he's just like over-exaggerating everything about the jet black hair and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's like really doesn't make any sense at all. That It's just like, over the top. Yeah, it's, like, it's mm-hmm. like more like ridiculous over the top. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously I have come to terms with me being a dumbass. And but, now you're a feminist and we're all good. <laughs> and a lot of my favorite vocalists are perfect. females. And yeah. obviously writing kick-ass songs like Dolly. But yeah, I think that pop style that Whitney was doing when I grew up, listening that, to well, it's like it's like the pop diva right right right, right yeah over the top big I mean, even voices like, big personalities big vibrato yeah. yeah even like shania with her big pop success wasn't doing things like that over the top performance mm-hmm. um was which for whatever reason that wasn't into but mm-hmm. i think well, it, was it just, seems like divided by race somewhat too you know yeah like well but i would i would even i would even put like celine dion in yeah yeah, yeah, like, yeah like absolutely the totally. houston yeah. overseen totally totally diva yeah yeah it was that stuff that was you know a lot of the big hits of the 90s of the 90s yeah. were that kind of thing and i was mm-hmm. just like oh, i don't like this yeah um <laughs> yeah. you know but then now it's like well shit like casey musgraves beyonce taylor swift like, all these ones that we've talked about a million times on here I'm like, well, that definitely didn't last. Thank goodness. I guess I can continue being a shithead. <laughs> I also wonder if that has to do something with how we listen to music. So, like, now you can selectively choose to listen. Like, you're not going to hear Casey Musgraves on the radio, probably. So no you, you selectively listen to her right. because you want to listen to her. Whereas, and you can listen to her as often as you want. And the same for all of those other 
wonderful ladies that you mentioned. Whereas in the 90s, like, we were forced to listen to this because, like, Mm -hmm. this was what was on the radio. And just like you said earlier, in mom's car. Like, that's what you have to listen to. Right. And every half hour, if this song is charting, you're going to hear that fucking song. (laughs) And no matter how amazing it is, you're going to be sick of it. Yeah. Right. Like, the Celine Dion Titanic song, that's a wonderful song. But I hate it because... I had to hear it so much yeah, right. in yeah. the moment. Yeah, right. that's true. And like, so see, I, I can yeah. see how you could hate those ladies back then. <laughs> I didn't hate the ladies. I hate, hate the, the performance. We can understand how you hated women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. You weren't the clear, only one. Yeah, yeah. Just to be clear, there's just, just there one part of me being a shithead that has, like, you know, been resolved. I'm working on other ways I'm a shithead. Good. Yeah. Are. So when I say I'm not a shithead, I just mean that particular That particular manner. area. There's plenty yeah. of other ways Got I'm it. still a shithead. <laughs> Aren't to, we all? Just to put that on the record. <laughs> oh, I could talk about Dolly for days. Yeah, you got some... Dolly is with us right Dolly now. is with She's us all around this. We have five Dollies looking at us. Yeah. No, there's, a, there's another one. There's a candle over there. Yep, there's a candle. There's a pillow in the front room. There's a What Would Dolly Do poster over there. I mean... <laughs> it might be a thing. <laughs> My favorite yeah, one is the one over the mantle because people have been like, is that your grandmother? And I'm like, yes. Yep. Yes, it is. It is. She does look so sweet. Doesn't she? Yeah. It looks like a picture that was taken at her church. Yeah, totally. For, for the church bulletin. Yeah. Like, this is our choir director. <laughs> And she looks like she has totally regular sized boobs in that picture. Well, that probably was pre-surgery. Uh, that picture looks like the Porter Wagner days, or maybe shortly after. Yeah. So that would have been pre-boobies. On, which is on this one. On pre-boobies. The, so then they the, still existed. On the Here you, Here you Come Again cover. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever Baby Hooch is born, <laughs> he's going to get signed up for Dolly's Imagination Library. Oh, yeah. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Grandma milk. Dolly's going to send us books Do- every week or oh every month. Gosh. This is going to be great. Oh, man. He's going to grow up in this house and legit think she's a family member. <laughs> yeah. Like, you got to <laughs> yeah. just start saying that. Like, yeah. That's like, your Grandma Dolly. Aunt Dolly. There's, yeah. there's some, like, Mexican-American comedian who grew up Catholic and said he thought Jesus was his uncle for, like, you know, because he would, like, go around funny. his house and see, like, all these pictures, pictures of, of Jesus. Jesus. And he's like, yeah, that's Uncle Jesse. Um, oh, that's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So that's definitely going to be Baby Who. Which is like, oh, yeah. great great when, is, when is she going to come visit? I don't know, baby. <laughs> Someday in our dreams. Well, we can take him to Dolly World. We we don't have that. Maybe if yet. you're good, maybe she'll if come you're, and visit. She's like Santa Claus. You have to be good. <laughs> yeah, we we could take baby Hooch to Dollywood. I don't know necessarily like what the music industry was like back then. I know it was radically different from what it is now. But I just really think it's so cool just imagining. You know, all that Dolly is, all this femininity and all mm-hmm. this stuff, just cranking out these two amazing songs in one day. In one day. Mm-hmm. And then being like, yeah, I'll record them and I'll probably save them for someone else later, you know? And yeah. just, it's really inspirational to me that she was able to write stuff after that. And it's like so seemingly nonchalant about mm-hmm. it, you know? It was just a part of what she this was and who she is. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dolly. <laughs> I love it. So I feel like talking about my song is going to be a letdown. You were the one that said you want to do it last. No, well, no, this one's it, good. This one speaks was, to the times. It was I a think. logical transition from Bigger Than the Beatles to 
Dolly. But so I chose Alabama's I'm in a hurry, which I told Spencer because I just feel this way. I feel like I'm in a hurry waiting for this baby. And also whenever I was messaging you about it, I wasn't texting and driving. I was doing voice to text as I was driving. Down the interstate too fast and listening to this song. Mm. And Spencer, you said you were listening to this on your way from Raleigh. Yeah, today. as I was running late. Because you were running late. Yeah. It, well, I was going to listen to it anyway. Also in the car. But it, but it seemed it, very it, appropriate. It gets you to drive fast. I feel. So you would put in the parentheses not and don't know why. You do know why. <laughs> I do know why. Yeah. Damn baby hooch. Damn baby hooch is why. <laughs> <laughs> but also at the same time, it's like. Oh, do I really need to be stressed out and be in a hurry right now? Yeah. Eh, I just couldn't let it happen. Because as we mentioned, I have diapers. Yeah. You're ready. What else do you need? <laughs> Nothing. What else do you need? A great Aunt Dolly will provide. A great Aunt right, Dolly right, will right. provide. I also am, I mentioned this about Vince Gill. It's surprising that we haven't really talked about Alabama yet. But as I was looking back over, like, Alabama's history, they really didn't have a ton of hits in the 90s. Most of their stuff was in the 80s or even earlier. Mm. So this song came out in 1992. It was their second single from the album American Pride, which was their 14th studio album. It was really the only big song, I think, on that album. Although there is one called... Uh, Take a Little Trip is on there. Oh, yeah, Take a Little Trip is a great song. But the other one that I noticed that I had actually never listened to but made me laugh... It's a song called Richard Petty Fans, <laughs> since we like to talk about NASCAR sometimes. Well, there is, if you go on YouTube, a supposedly live version that I'm not convinced is live it's of this not. being performed at Dale Earnhardt's banquet to celebrate his seventh NASCAR championship. Yeah. And it's a great watch, although it's like transfer from someone's VHS tape after they've probably watched it 150 times, because why wouldn't they if they had on VHS? <laughs> and there's like projections of... Dale and his car, and there's all Home kinds of stuff. There's a lot going on yeah. in that video. It's very of the early 90s, like, hey, check out this shit we can do. They were very but, proud of themselves. They should be. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of 80s Alabama hits, but there's a lot of ones in the 90s, too, that I like a lot. And I know there's some ones that we want to talk about in the future, like the NSYNC collab. <gasps> Absolutely. <gasps> Yeah, yeah God must have spent a little bit more time with you. More time Alabama you. is on that? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. They're also, I think, I think there's not, a version without them, there right? There is. But then oh, there's like a, a country okay. crossover. And there's a country crossover version with them. Another one that I love of theirs in the 90s is the dancing, shagging on the boulevard song. And that's just because I'm a South Carolina girl. And so Alabama, of course, originated in Alabama, as one might expect. They're from Fort Payne, Alabama, which is the official sock capital of the <laughs> oh world. Oh my God, I gotta go. <laughs> right? Well, I don't know that it is the official sock capital of the world. I think all of their um, I'm call them mills have closed down. <laughs> uh, yeah. But for a long time... So first time, we go to Burlington, and then we go to Dollywood, and then we go yeah. to, to Alabama. Fort Payne, Alabama, to the official sock capital of the world. And then they, in 1972, they relocated from Alabama to Myrtle Beach. 
And so they were in upgrade. upgrade. And they were in Myrtle Beach for quite a few years. And that's kind of, I think, where they got discovered. And they had a regular show at a place in Myrtle Beach called The Bowery, which they reference in the song Dancing Shaggin wow. on the Boulevard. But so that was like where Alabama, they were kind of, I think, like the house band there. And they, so they just played there a ton. They have a lot of sappy shit in the 90s, too. I remember having the Cheap Seats album, and I remember having in pictures where it talks about basically seeing your child grow up in pictures, and then the maker said, take her, which is, <gasps> as you would probably expect, sappy as shit. You know, like... Like they said, take her. They, yeah, exactly. Like, those are them. Um, <laughs> and... Yeah, you know, they weren't all like that. You know, Dance and Shaggy on the Boulevard wasn't, but they had some of that like stuff yeah, that you call adult listen, contemporary. And country. I didn't listen to that stuff. But then they also have cheap seats. We're talking about going to a baseball game, yeah. and hot dogs and mustard and relish. That's just a good old time. So that they had a lot of stuff going on in the nineties. I feel mm-hmm. like, but then sometimes I get the line blurred of their eighties and nineties stuff. Where I have to find some loopholes for some of their late eighties output. I'll be I'll be working on that. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Well, eventually we will run out of songs, so we might have to expand into the '80s whenever we do that. Mm, there's a lot of a lot of Joe Diffie albums to be covered. Yeah. So you're right. We're probably like con- I've probably confused people at this point in time as to what song I'm actually talking <laughs> do you, about. Do you want to listen to it? Yeah, I'll play. <laughs> we'll play a clip real quick. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. I mean, I think this song speaks to our generation. Yeah. You know? All the entitled millennials that, you know, we don't do anything. We just expect handouts. Is that what you mean? No. That's, that's not what I mean at all. <laughs> speaks to our generation. I'm sorry. I thought that you were Joe Biden for a second. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just everybody. I feel that way all, every day of my life. No, I, Like, I agree. I'm not doing enough stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and then overbooking yourself to then rush around and try mm-hmm. to fit everything in and yeah. keep all the balls in there. Yeah. Well, I stopped yeah. doing that a long time ago because I was like, I'm just late for a lot of stuff. So <laughs> I give myself a solid hour between like any things that I have to well, do. Well, you were right on time today. Spencer was not. Yeah, well, I'm surprised to sing you this song to figure it out. That's my, <laughs> that's my style. <laughs> I don't but. know. I, this song, there are so many little like, like the harmonies at the beginning and the end that we were talking about and then the little do 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 like towards the end it's just a really fun song and it's upbeat and it is fun to play when you're driving in the car and you are in a hurry chelsea you call the solo in here a green day solo which i loved oh totally <laughs> oh my gosh yeah well just like the guitar tone set in the live questionable yeah, live version yeah. that we heard it's like yeah and it's just like a little line that he wrote that he does twice in a row like it straight up sounds like i'm trying to think of the green day song that it reminds me of but yeah, I it mean that's like that's the their yeah. their style. So yeah, right. The style of this you don't want to listen to is the Florida Georgia Line version. Yeah, it's that's awful. Alabama <laughs> and Friends. It's like, oh, do you love the vocal talents of Alabama? How about listen to the complete lack of vocal talents by Florida Georgia Line? And there's a live version with them collaborating with Alabama. It's also shitty. And I'm just like Alabama. Why would you allow this? Just anyone. because you have state names in your titles. 
Come on. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're the state bands. We're the state bands. Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. Mm-hmm. I wrote a note that the Florida Georgia Line version is awful, and I hate myself for listening to it. <laughs> well, I mean, be sure to include an episode of podcast. Most or a lot of the artists on that one are not, you know, it's like Rascal Flats and stuff like that. Luke oh, Bryan, Jason Aldean. Oh my God, I've totally forgot about them. Was that like a? Uh, would I, was I insulting them? No, and okay. no, I love them. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> What did they cover that we were talking about recently that was so bad? You mean in a future episode? Yeah, what were we talking about in a future episode that we recorded <laughs> yesterday? It was, um... Shit. And when I say I love them, I love one record that my parents had and played over and over again. It's Next to You, Next to Me, a Shenandoah song. Oh, yeah. I think you also are a similar thing in there. That, that I listened to it and I hated myself for the, wasting the time that I did to listen to it. You know what? I think Alabama would say that's hurry brain. Right there. That's hurry brain? <laughs> yeah. You're going to hurry and you, you know. I'm in a hurry to never listen to Florida Georgia Line or Rascal Flats <laughs> yeah. ever again. I'm in a hurry and I know why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, and Alabama is actually still touring. They're playing at the Carolina Country Music Festival <gasps> in Myrtle Beach. Oh, yeah. South Carolina. <laughs> Y'all on going? June six. I don't. I won't be able to go because oh, of baby, baby the baby hooch yeah. situation. I'd, I'll bring him along. But Spencer can go. So Spencer can go and represent. So Spencer's going to go to Myrtle Beach and represent us at the Carolina Country Music Festival. Yeah, we'll go. see about that. You're not going to go. I, I don't think that sounds like a fun environment. Yeah, it's well, also like three days of that. It's actually four days. <laughs> oh, so Alabama will be playing at the Alabama Theater in Myrtle Beach for this festival. And if you are a local, i.e. if you have a driver's license that says Myrtle Beach, you get in for free. I think that's what I read. So if you want to go, call my dad, because he lives in Myrtle Beach, and you guys can go together. You definitely sound like you're making stuff up right now. I really am not. I did a deep dive on the festival website. Our friends Delta Ray are going to be playing there, so yeah. Grant will be down there. Cool. Well, he was on a previous episode. Maybe um, I will go see Alabama the Alabama Theater, like God intended it. As God intended. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, now that I know that. <laughs> so just make plans. I think we've got a few weeks. We can make it happen. <laughs> Speaking of in a few weeks. Oh, God. <laughs> just, I was just trying to get to what Chessa's up to oh, next. Yeah. Like, come on. Tell you, I was like, oh, what, what else are you going to make me do in yeah. a few weeks? Oh. <laughs> Man. Sorry, I'm just nailing these transitions. Today. Sorry. I know. I am very excited to be opening for Darren Jesse at the Wake Forest Listening Room on May 17th. I love his music so much, and I like was very, very into Hotel Lights, which is his yeah. old band mm-hmm. in high school, and did not know it was him until like a year ago, and like had a tiny moment of like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like really excited about that. And then on the 18th, that very next night, I'm playing at the Kraken yeah. in White Cross, North Carolina, with Grand Shores, which is a really incredible duo of Will Ridenour and Gabe Pelly, Cora and guitar and like there'll be some fiddle and it's gonna be really beautiful oh that's awesome mm-hmm. and you are recording an album making a record gonna have a little EP out in the next like month hopefully cool. in the near future fun yeah <laughs> and I'm also I'm gonna be featured on this really great podcast in the next couple weeks what's it called it's called Neon Boots oh <laughs> Rachel totally <laughs> 
I'm like, wait, what's it going? Well, you were like, this is your first podcast. I thought, this was, I thought this was your warm up for the real one that you're doing. It's like, oh, yeah. Okay. You said this was your first podcast, so I thought maybe you were doing like a podcast tour. No. Yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a lot of dumb podcasts out there besides just ours, so, you know. I'm sure we could find you another stupider one to be on. I am very sure of that. Yeah. I'm sure there's many, many more stupid podcasts than this. Well, thanks for being on our stupid podcast. Thanks for having me. I've loved it. I learned so much. I know. We'll, I'm an we'll expert send now. You, we'll send you a playlist of Travis Tritt at all okay. for you, you to learn more. And Alex mentioned something about you guys possibly playing a future show and us curating the playlist. Oh, that'd be fun. He was making a lot of promises. He was that... making a lot of really big promises. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, and thanks, guys, for listening. Bye. 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 Bye, Bye Spencer's mom. Bye, mom. Bye, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Bo. Yay, Bo's so sweet. You can't hide.